Hey man, what's up? <clears throat> it's Aiden Taco Jones. You listen to Sitting Under a Tree, Tuesday the twelfth of Feb, two thousand and nineteen. I'm in uh, the front room of my dad's house in Kalgoorlie, Western Australia, a town of approximately uh, twenty-five people and a lot of dirt. This is a weird place. My, I've never been here before. My dad moved out here a few years ago to. Um, work in the mines and it's just a mining town it's like god we went around this morning and we looked at like all the fucking the super pit which is apparently some 800 meter deep pit where they fucking pull gold out of the earth i don't know it's like it's a, there was like a gold rush here in the late 19th century and they developed there were like all these different mines and then one dude bought up the leases for all the mines and just open cut mined this fucking huge chunk out of the earth and so it's like so deep that it has its own, like it affects the weather, like this huge hole in the earth actually affects the weather, they've just, I don't know, it doesn't make me feel good, (laughs) I don't like it, Um, they're pulling gold out of the earth, and we went to the, um, so it's just like, it's, it's been a historically rich town from the gold, but like all of the wealth obviously leaves here, because people don't want to actually fucking live here, so it's just populated by miners, Um, there's not really a lot, going on I guess also because of my dad and the circles that he moves in I haven't seen a person younger than like 30 in the in the 24 hours that I've been here dad seems very happy with his lady which is good I'm happy for him but um yeah there's not much going on for me and I'm here till Friday and I was dreading it before I got here and like, I'm not going to lie, I'm still, uh, yeah, I think my fears have been realised, <laughs> that there's just nothing the fuck to do, I've already swiped through <laughs> every person on Tinder, you know when you get to the end of Tinder, when it's like there's no more in your area, so you make your radius bigger, <laughs> I've done that, <laughs> I've already ran out of people between 18 and 30 within a radius of 40 k's. There's no one else. <laughs> God damn it. Um, I've matched with one person and like, I think I'm just going to message her and be like, hey, what happens here? <laughs> what is this? What is this place? <laughs> she's Irish, so I guess she's like new to Kalgoorlie. So maybe she knows some other young people. Like there must be a reason that she's come here in it. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I have no fucking idea what I'm going to be doing for the next few days. Um, I've got a, a dad and, and his missus have set up a comedy show for me in their backyard, which is actually very lovely. So I'm going to do a show here on Thursday. I'm going to do my, um, like, I'm going to do a performance of 52 days for pretty much like just their mates, you know? Um, That'll be fun, nice little party, but again, like, there won't be anyone my age here, so I realised yesterday, like, Dad was, like, he bought a case of beer, and, like, I had a few beers, and he was just like, oh, you're not, you know, what are you, being sensible, and I realised, like, oh, it's just because, like, I I don't really have any impetus to get drunk, just like, you know with my dad and his lady and my brother, I don't know, and it's just, I want to go somewhere fun. You know, I think that's why I drink. It's not because I want to drink. It's because I want to do something. Um, So, yeah, I didn't want to drink yesterday, really. Today we went to the super pit. We saw that and then we went to, yeah, we went to the the museum. 
I do have a tea and I've steeped it to perfection. So things are looking up. We went to the museum and uh, just like there was one quote from some dude who works for, I'll call them the company. I don't know what they're called. Like KC, KCGM, I reckon is the acronym. Kalgoorlie Conglomerated Gold Mine. Let's say that that's, let's say that I've remembered that perfectly and not look into it. Um some guy from there and he's quoted in the museum as saying like, oh, we've got to figure out what we're going to do with the mine. Um, but we do have a lot of time to think about it. Um, 11 years, in fact, or possibly longer because they were, you know, that's how long they're expecting to still be able to keep mining with this fucking enormous chunk that they've taken out of the earth. And that quote was from 2010. <laughs> So they've got now two years and still, and this was the craziest thing. I should have taken a photo of it. Underneath that quote, it was just like, some people have suggested a five-star hotel. Like, wouldn't it be lovely to sit on the edge of the thing and watch the sunset? <laughs> just a, a hotel next to a fucking hole in the ground. That's the idea. And then underneath that, they've just wrote, if you... <laughs> put, if you have any ideas, write here... <laughs> Send a letter to fucking <laughs> to desperate miners at hotmail.com because they know that in two years they're going to run out of stuff to pull out of the ground and then they've just got a massive fucking hole and they're going to be looking to sell it to some poor cunt after they've sold them their idea. That who the fuck wants to go to a fucking hotel where the main attraction is that the hotel in the middle of the desert is next to a hole. (laughs) What the fuck are you guys thinking? Oh, man. I Fuck, I hope they lose a bunch of money on that fucking stupid hole after they run out of gold to... gold to pull out of it. Ugh. Yeah. I just, I I don't like mining. I don't know. And I know I benefit from it, of course. It's like misogyny, right? I don't have to, like, I can be a feminist and still benefit from it and not like it and not know how to, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything about it. I'm not politically active, so I should be, I should just shut up. But I I don't like it. I don't like to be here and see it, you know? (laughs) I can just, I want to buy a gold chain and imagine that it was made in a lab. Can we get to that point? We're almost at the point where we can make chicken in a lab, where we can just grow breasts of chicken without actually having to kill the animal. Not that I give a fuck about that, to be honest. I'll fucking kill a chicken. I'd rather kill... <laughs> however <laughs> however many fi- chickens you can fit in the super pit, I'd rather kill that amount of chickens than, than dig another one of those pits. <laughs> Dirt is morally more valuable to me than chickens. I don't give a fuck about killing. Isn't that weird? I just morally, I think it's because of the global warming aspect of the mining. I know the mine digging into the ground. Yeah, digging into the ground all you want, but it's the fucking burning of coal and destroying the planet that bums me out about mining. It's not the grip, but I just know this equals massive carbon footprint. But Aiden, soda's eating meat, huge carbon footprint. Yeah, but that's something that I don't like to think about because I don't want to change my behavior. I just think about it in terms of killing chickens. What I'm saying is if we were at the point, like in a, we can fucking, we can grow chicken breasts in a lab pretty much, I assume. 
<laughs> so why can't we grow gold <laughs> in a lab? It's made with high pressure, right? And what I read a bit about that in the museum. It's like water with like deposits coming up from really far down in the Earth's crust, getting pushed up through cracks in the Earth's crust, high pressure, forced together, creates gold. And the gold deposits here are like fucking 2 billion years old. Um, couldn't we just get like a big tin, like a, like a big tin was supposed to be funny, but like a big, you know, like a fucking, like a, some sort of pressure thing, right? And push the earth together and that would make gold. Surely we can do that in the same, like in a shorter time than the earth. I don't actually think we can. It's going to take a lot of coal and then we're burning coal. Don't do it. Just drive a hybrid car and don't worry about necklaces and and wedding rings. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Fuck, this town's such a bummer. Um, There's, uh, I'm going to go tomorrow. I'm going to go look for a cafe. I'm going to go on a vain, doomed search to find my people in this hellish nightmare desert town. I'm not even necessarily having a bad time. I just know that I don't like this place. Does that make sense? Like, I just... I, I couldn't... I'm... I can't wait for Friday, but I'm no, I know that I'm going to be able to busy myself just, like, reading and doing some doing some admin work and watching TV, and I'll probably get drunk with my dad on Thursday night when I do my show. That'll be fun. But on Friday, I will leave and... I venture to guess that, barring any sort of grand plan, we'll never return to Kalgoorlie. Um, Unless I find, like, a nice cafe and a cache of young people who share my views on on art and politics and, (laughs) you know... (laughs) If I find friends, if I make some friends here, but I can't see it happening. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look for them tomorrow. I'm gonna look for my mates. Anyway, I'll talk to about, I'll talk about the, I'm fucking, I got some other things to say about Kalgoorlie, but, um, the last week, uh, what did I do? Good last week of the fringe. Fucking sick last week of the fringe. I hit, uh, I hit my target. I made over five grand in my pocket. I almost, I was like legit like six tickets away from selling ten thousand dollars worth of tickets um did a nice post on instagram like just again thank you to everyone who came to my shows if you listen to this after coming to one of my shows thanks for listening to the pod man um and uh but yeah man all those shows were great especially in the last week I, uh, I really had some fun shows the, the the fucking saturday night man i had like 60 people in on saturday and um at the start of the show, like, it just, uh, what would it take, what would it fucking take for people to just be on time to a fucking show? That, I have no fucking idea what to do, and I'm so stressed about Adelaide, because in Adelaide, my venue has 15-minute turnarounds, meaning my show finishes at fucking, uh, I'm 9 till 9.50, and then I believe the next show starts at maybe 20. I think the next show starts at 10 past 10. That's not enough time. Like, that's not enough time to be fucking waiting an extra five minutes for cunts to come in late. In Perth, it wasn't a problem because the Belgian Beer Cafe has big, long half-hour turnarounds. And it was really nice. And on Saturday, I'm the la- I was the last show as well. So, 8.30 somehow was the last show. Amazing. So, I was... um. 
waited for an extra five minutes and then started. I was like, this looks pretty full and got everyone to clap for me and then made it onto stage and like six more people came into the show, which at that point, you're like seven minutes late on the advertised start time. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like actually what's wrong with you? I'm late to shit all the time because I'm at night, I'm like running between shows but if you've got one, th- if you're like, oh, we've booked tickets to see this show, you really got to rock up to the venue at fucking 8.30 and then be like, oh, I need to pee and get a drink and have a smoke. And actually, I've fucking found someone I want to talk to at the bar for a second. Like, uh, anyway, these fucking, I, if, you, if you're one of those people who was late to my show, I rescind my thank you for coming. Never come again. No, don't. Please come again. <laughs> I'm so stoked that you came. Um, but uh, they came in late and I'm on stage and I'm trying to do but it's too much commotion because like people don't fucking move down to the end of the rows they've sat at the end where people walk in so these new people have to climb over the people that are already sat to get down the spaces that are left at the end basically everyone in the audience is fucked up in some way to be honest everyone's dumb you're all stupid and I'm a genius so they're going across the rows of people that have sat down and it's disrupting everyone and I'm like, I can't start the show now. So I just, you know, and I'm like, staying in good, I'm not like this on stage. I'm fucking happy somehow. And uh, I fucking, I go to like move some time. I'm like, oh, I'll move this chair over this side so you guys can sit there. And as of like, just a flippant thing to say, I'm like, oh, do you, maybe you guys can sing now that we don't have music anymore. Do you guys know Silent Night? And then the row of drunk girls in the front started singing Silent Night. Awesome. And they got like a couple lines in. And then this guy behind them, this older guy, started singing and he had like a nice voice. And then everyone started singing. The whole crowd sang Silent Night to the end. One stanza. And then they fucking started clapping again and we started the show. And that was enough time for those people to sit down. Man, that was lovely. That was that was on par with um, Edinburgh last year, Edinburgh 2018, when, if you listen to this pod, you already know this story, but my audience sang the fucking, the end, the last chorus of uh, Time After Time, because I was playing it with Stella Donnelly at the start of the show. That Silent Night thing was on par, better in the sense that there wasn't music playing, so they sang themselves, worse in the sense that, and let's put it to a vote, but I'm pretty sure... Time After Time, better song than Silent Night. 100% better song than Silent Night. Silent Night, not a banger, you know? If anything, it was a little bit late in the year to be singing Silent Night. It's only really a Christmas song. You're singing in December. But there were no um, there were no protests on the Saturday night because that night really, for us, was the true Silent Night rather than Christmas, which is just what some fucking liar gave birth to a baby and then was like, oh, I'm not, I never had sex with anyone, Joseph. (laughs) What did I say the other day in a message to someone? Oh, yeah, it's like, uh, in the words of a, uh, no, uh, I said, uh, I apologize as the Virgin Mary said to Joseph, I'm late. And I thought that was very funny. It's like, like a period, you know? Um, that was great, man. That fucking show was awesome. Sold out on the su- Sunday, uh, Saturday. Sunday, uh, probably like 12 in on the Sunday, but it was the last show. Um, had a nice time there. 
Oh, maybe I'll tell this story. This is pretty fucking wild. This is... No, actually, I can't... All right, I'll tell it. I've already said that I'll tell it, and I can't be bothered going back and editing this. I met this lady just the day before my birthday in Yagan Square when I was watching this busker. Um, Lovely lady who uh, loves comedy, wanted to do comedy, and I was just like, oh, dude, come to my show. Like, I'll give you free tickets, sure. And... She can't. She was like gonna come on the Wednesday, but then couldn't. And then on Friday morning, she messaged me and said, "Oh, my mum was struggling with cancer, and she um, she took a turn last night and passed away peacefully in the night. Um, but I'm I want to come to your show, so can I come tonight? It's okay. I'll pay for the tickets if I can't. But whatever. And I was just like, oh my god, like it was like very humbling that someone the day after that awful thing had happened wanted to come and I know it's not about me it's about comedy in general but like you forget like I I forget I'll take ownership of that feeling I forget doing comedy so much how important it is to some people who don't do comedy some people just love comedy and like I mean all right this person I think wants to be a comedian but some people really care about it and it's very easy to forget that when I'm just doing it every night that some people are actually going there because they love to laugh and that's the thing that they love and they want to watch it, you know? I don't know. It's it's super easy to forget that because I do it every night that like, to me, it's just like, oh, I did this gig. It was all right, you know? But for some people, it's like a really important thing to them and they've spent money and uh, and, and I have a responsibility I mean, that sounds so far. I have a responsibility to put a good show on for everyone whose mum's died. I don't know. It was just, it, it was very humbling to realise that she even wanted to come to my show, you know? That she didn't want to just sit at home. That's fucking, that's very cool. Like, if my mum died, what would I want to do? I'd probably get real drunk, sit at home for a while... And then I guess just start doing comedy again. I don't know. I'd probably I'd probably start saving a lot more money, <laughs> knowing that I don't have a financial safety net if I need it. I'd. Pr- <laughs> That's brutal. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I would do if my mum died. I wouldn't go out of the house the next night. I don't reckon. I I don't know. I don't know. I'd probably just call someone. I'd probably call up fucking Phil or Blake and just be like, let's get really drunk right now. I got a message from um I got a message from my fucking weird other family who I've never met before because it was my birthday on Tuesday so I got all these birthday messages and it was like a day later I got a message from uh so if I haven't explained this before I'm half Colombian because my mum was backpacking around South America and she was 22 and then she came back and found out she was pregnant and that's me and when I was 23 I went in search of my biological father and Mum found him on Facebook and I have all of these cousins and aunts and uncles in Colombia who I've never met. And um, I was telling people this story this at the start of my shows this weekend. Uh, I got a message. I got messages from a few of them for my birthday. And one of them, like they're all in Spanish, right? These people are all Spanish. And so I got this message from one lady who's like evidently my cousin um, just saying like, happy birthday, you know, I wish you all the best for the year and I hope you're doing well and you're always welcome in Colombia if you want to ever come or whatever. And then, um, I wrote her back and I like to practice my Spanish. So I'll, I'll like send a message. I'll like, you know, compose, compose a message 
and then send it off and then I'll check it in Google Translate to see if I got everything right. And I'm like pretty confident that I do. Like I'm not trying to use words that I don't know, but I'll just check to see if the grammar was right, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so I did that. And one of the sentences that I said was, Espero que tu año ha estado lleno de felicidad, which means I hope that your year has been full of happiness. But I don't have, in Spanish, there's the ñ, ñ is a letter, right? It's like an N for the N word. But, um, <laughs> N for the N word, but with a little tilde on top. So instead of saying N, you say N, Y. It's like the Y, you know? So, um, año, which is the Spanish word for year, has that little tilde above the N. And I don't have that on my phone because I don't have, I just have an English keyboard on my phone. So I wrote ano instead of año and was just like, you know, whatever, she'll understand. And then I put it into Google Translate and the only error that I've made was año means year, ano means anus. So I said to this cousin of mine who I've never met, but she lives in Colombia, I hope that your anus has been full of happiness. <laughs> and that is fucking dope. <laughs> It's like, I mean, yeah, there couldn't have been a more perfect word to fuck up, to be honest. Um, and she messaged back and was like, haha, and I was like, yeah, fine, you know. Ooh, those words are very differentes, aren't they? I was thankful for that, because I know in Colombia they're quite, like, Catholic and religious, and I was like, imagine if she's, like, super... Like, I'm, I, I was understood that it was... The original typo was never gonna like get any anger or or like effect, cause any offense. But the way that I joked about it afterwards, I was like, "Oh, whoops!" Like they're pretty different meanings. And I was really light. I was really playing a light touch on that one because I didn't want to make any further jokes about anal in case they're like you know very Catholic and don't like those kind of jokes. And then suddenly the <laughs> the fucking massive family that I had in Colombia is like, "Oh, our." Long lost cousin, cousin is a heathen. Uh, we don't want to talk to him anymore. You know, imagine, imagine I, imagine I ex, uh, ostracize, excommunicate. Imagine I get excommunicated, excommunicated, extrapolated. <laughs> imagine if I get extraterrestrialized from my Colombian family for making an anal joke, and I can never go to Colombia again, again or ever. I've never been. I would love to go to Colombia, man. That's what I'm just trying to keep up little bits of communication with these people so that one day I can go to Colombia and I can fucking crash with them and have a free holiday in Colombia. <laughs> I'm very, very... Uh, fuck, I'm so selfish. That's a brutal thing to realize about yourself. Um, I mean, I would like to meet my family, I guess. I guess. I wonder if we have anything in common, you know? Like, my family car, I mean, I'm staying in my dad's house right now, and he raised me, and I'm still in my fucking bedroom recording a podcast, and my brother's playing his Nintendo Switch on the TV, and dad's drinking beer. If that's the level of socializing for someone who raised me, what's it going to be like with these people who I don't even fluently speak their fucking language? I don't know. Maybe we'll connect. Maybe it'll be beautiful. My blood, my blood, I love you all of my life. I want to know you and be with you. You are my son. That's Fernando. That's an imitation of Fernando if he spoke English and, and was a baby. 
I want to meet you and know you. <laughs> like a baby had a kid. <laughs> I gotta get a job now because my son needs to go to college. That's a good character. A baby whose kid is older than him but still feels responsible for it. It's like Benjamin Button if Benjamin Button had a kid. He probably did have a kid and it was probably very sad and I should probably stop making fun of it. <laughs> is Benjamin Button real? Is that a real thing? Or is that just a weird movie that someone wrote? Either way, yuck. <laughs> Why didn't they just euthanize him, you know? Oh, I'm sure the movie was beautiful. I didn't really watch it properly. I just saw all the scenes where he's like, he's like an old little boy talking to some lady his age or something. Fucking who cares? I, um, oh, I tried to, oh man, one of the, like the early in the week, the Wednesday show, fucking, I, I wrote this joke and I just thought it would be funny. And I tried it a few times. I need to do to not to work. <laughs> it was, um, I talk about my mate who was a drug dealer who let me clean his house. Um, not because he needed a house cleaner, but because he knew that I needed money. But he, you know, so he like let me work for it. And the joke was, uh, I always remember that. And I think that was really great of him because he didn't need a cleaner. He could have got, if he really needed a cleaner, he could have got a professional. Or is that the right word? Um, Filipino. That's the joke, right? <laughs> Suggesting that all Filipino people are just their cleaners. That's all they do. Or, or maybe suggesting that Filipino people are just naturally more adept at cleaning than the other races. Anyway, I did it a few times and it didn't really do great, but I was kind of hot on the night. And then on Wednesday, I did it to a, my smallest audience of the run, eight people, did the joke and everyone went, Oh, I, I prefaced it with like, I wrote this and I think it's funny, so I'm going to do it. And I did it and everyone went, oh. <laughs> and then I looked and I remembered that the two of my eight audience were literally from the Philippines. <laughs> I was like, oh, whoops. Fuck, what a fucking idiot. That shows me for trying to write like as if racism's funny, you fucking loser. I thought it was real funny. I think my and, and my friends, my comedian friends who I asked about it were like in Perth, definitely. I think people over underestimate Perth audiences. I I fucking don't think they're dicks at all. I think fucking Perth audiences are way better than fucking Adelaide audiences. Ugh, Perth audiences are lovely, smart people. Not a lot of problem with drunks. I probably had f maybe three or four like, kind of rowdy hecklers through the run. No big groups of drunk people ever fucked up a show. And the three or four rowdy hecklers were only trying to join in, and they're the kind of hecklers where if I just speak louder and look away from them, they shut up, you know? It, ah, it was so fine. I don't know what people's beef is with Perth, but Perth is so much better than Kalgoorlie. Oh, my fucking days. And we're back. Um... I kind of want to recommend this song. I was looking for music for the pod this week and I was going to recommend Silent Night. I think what I will do is at the end of this podcast this week, I'm going to, um, I'll put the little fucking Easter egg in. I'll put the recording of that show when everyone sang Silent Night because it really was lovely and it was just fun and you can hear me like giggling and yeah, it was just, 
every now and then I want to try and put a bit of my stand-up in there that's not actually my jokes. It's just like me on stage. I feel like that's fun. But I was looking for a song and I told a few mates that I'm in Kalgoorlie and uh, a friend said, oh, um, Kalgoorlie, what about this song? And I listened to the song, Kalgoorlie by Owen Rabbit. And look, a bit weird, all right? But I looked it up on Spotify and there's another one called Kalgoorlie by The Peep Temple. The P-E-E-P-T-E-M-P-E-L. And I started playing it and I didn't really like it. It sounded kind of like... I don't know if this is a very deep pool, but I don't know if any of you guys ever listened to like... Uh, like Norwegian black metal, you know, or like, like Burzum or just weird. It's like weird ambient droning guitars, all this kind of stuff. Um, very dark and like, it's supposed to be kind of uncomfortable. And this reminded me of that, but I kept it on cause I was just doing stuff and the song, I'm going to read a review of it, of the album in a second. The song does kind of draw you in and the guy's lyrics are really like, eerily beautiful or just like they're so harsh he talks about like i'm the salt of the earth assaulting the earth i'm uh, i'm 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 often i'm often tired and i'm often drunk and just like it's about living in kalgoorlie and it just it was very much resonated with how i feel right now which is here uh in a way under duress and just not that enamored with the place here's the review peep temple joy is the name of the uh the name of the album following on from the band's sophomore release which was described as a near perfect punk record can be a difficult task hell it's not one i'd like to take on who is this guy (laughs) just inserting himself into the like by the way guys i make music but even it's just like just review the fucking record dude the album also took a brutal look at contemporary suburban australia and this follow-up delves into human thought and its many swirling, confusing tendencies. I did, So I think actually maybe reading this review was what made me listen to the song more because when I first caught I was just like, oh, this will be, this song's going to suck and I hate it. And then reading the review, I listened to the song more and I was like, I don't like this review, but actually song, pretty good. And I think it was the word punk that won me over. If it was metal, that's just metal. My images of people who like metal, they really think very highly of themselves. Punk, I've met people who are into punk who I like. I think that's the only difference. Kalgoorlie, this is their this is their mention of the track. Kalgoorlie is a circulating manic track that sucks you into the song like a vortex. It's gritty, the vocals are raw, and it's an insight into the mind that leaves you thinking and questioning your own. At times, due to the slurring nature, the lyrics are difficult to hear, and it adds to the unease. It adds to unease the song sets up. Okay, the rest of the release follows suit to this concept with screaming guitar, pointed lyrics, and a very harrowing sense of hysteria littering the lyrics. Singing of marriage issues, marrow, and dead bodies is just a sample. Oh, just a sample. Look out for We You Forgot, Ray Guns, and Alexander as highlights. The guitar riff in the latter is something particularly special. It's a release that will not only have you questioning your own mind, but what other concept albums have achieved. Okay. I think I might listen to the album, to be honest. Not because of this... If I just read that review, I'd be like, oh, this guy's just one of the mates of the dudes from the band. But the cover is very cool. It's like painted... 
and it's like two people kind of wearing ponchos with masks on on a boat. That's actually a really cool cover. And um, and that track was just nice, man. It just <sighs> this place sucks. This place fucking sucks. But um, I'm only here till Friday. What else can I tell you? I'll do one more. I got a. Uh, I kind of fulfilled a dream the other day. I've always had this like fantasy and comedy that I would like. I love feeling busy, you know. And um, I've always had this idea in comedy that I would like be so like rushed between gigs, trying to fit as many gigs in as I could, um, that I would be running to a show, literally run into the venue and not break stride and just run straight on stage and be like panting as I got on stage. And that literally happened on Saturday night. I was running from uh, George Dimorellis' book show, which if you're in Adelaide, go and see that show because it's actually a lot of fun. Um, Opened that show and then ran, ran, ran through Yagan Square, picked up some free tickets that I had um, and then uh, ran to the venue, the Cheeky Sparrow, to do Triple Cream. I was on last there and I was literally running. Like I knew I was late. Ran up the stairs into the venue, got backstage, popped my head around the curtain. The MC, Sam Cribbs, saw my head and then just went, oh, he's here. Ladies and gentlemen, Aiden Taco Giants. So I didn't even have a... Like I put my bag down and just pressed record on my phone and went, oh, oh, yes, oh, oh and like went onto stage, literally still catching my breath from the fucking, you know, from the run. And uh, I think it took the audience like 30 seconds to understand that I A, wasn't lying and B was still going to be a decent act on the show. I think they were very skeptical up top. They like they didn't laugh when I said that I'd just run there and they didn't really laugh when I made fun of that again. They were just like, "Who is this out of breath idiot? Why are we have we paid money for this? Like this actually sucks." I don't know how the rest of the show would go on. I don't know. I ended up having a decent spot, but like yeah, it was like a, it was like a dream of mine, you know? I don't know why is that. Why do I want that? Why do I want to be running so hard in between shows? I guess I just have that fantasy of like being on the grind. Being on the grind. Like the Instagram, you know, hashtag grind. I fucking, I read an article the other day about how that is. And this is true. It's such a fucking, tra- it's like fetishizing work. Like our generation like millennial, am I millennial? Millennials, yeah, Gen Y, millennials, whatever, are fetishizing work to the point where we're like, we derive all of our value from the work that we do. And it's like, so like, but we don't get paid more. It's like seen as cool to be like working in your free time and like everything you do is to be contributing to your professional life. But that's, that sucks. That's not a good way to live a life, to devote your entire life to your work. And that's what that, like, I think that's the problem with this fucking, like, hashtag grind. Like, the, uh, what's it called? You know, like, Instagram fucking, uh, uh, Lewis Garner was, I'm really making no sense right now. I know I'm making no sense. The fucking influencers. Just, I have a one friend on Instagram who, like, is trying to be one of these people and he's always like, oh, man on the grind today, like just, you know, working, it's always about like just repping how hard you work and how much you push yourself and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, that's not cool. Like working all the time 
isn't fucking cool, but I think that's where my idea that I would love to be running between sets to get onto stage comes from, is that I have fucking internalized that idea as well, and that sucks. <laughs> but still, I did it, and it was exciting. It was like a roller coaster, you know? It was just like a fun little ride. Run to the end, run, 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 get on stage. <laughs> Do not as good of a set, but at least I did more sets. That's it, right? I didn't even give as good of a performance as I probably could have. I don't know, maybe I did. I was kind of outside myself when I went on stage. Like, I didn't care. I didn't have time to worry about the set. So when I got on stage, I was just like, well, I'm in front of these people now and I'm not scared because I'm out of breath, which trumps being scared. And so I, like, gave a pretty decent performance, you know? I don't know what the last three minutes of this was. Anyway, here's me getting a crowd to sing uh, Silent Night on Saturday night. Thank you guys for listening. This has been Aiden Taco Jones sitting under a tree. Peace. How are we doing here? Are we, yeah, are we in the right place? I want to get you guys to clap again in a second because we just lost all of the energy that we created just now. <laughs> we got enough chairs, guys. Uh, we've got one here. I've got a free one over here. Fuck. Just, all right, give me a second. <laughs> Maybe, can, remember how we have music on? Maybe just sing. Um, oh, sorry, mate. Just sing amongst yourselves. You guys know Silent Night? <laughs> <laughs> If you have loved ones that rely on your income, you need life insurance. But finding the best quote shouldn't take a lifetime. With Policy Genius, you could save 50% or more by comparing quotes from America's top insurers. First, head to policygenius.com. In minutes, Policy Genius will compare prices starting at as little as $1 a day. You might even be eligible to fast track your coverage with a no exam policy. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team handles all the paperwork and red tape. If you have any questions, their team of licensed independent experts is on hand to help. In fact, Policy Genius's award winning service has a five star rating across thousands of reviews on Trustpilot and Google. Make today the day you cross life insurance off your list and get protection for your loved ones. You could save 50% or more by comparing quotes. To get covered, head to policygenius.com today.